And now, from beyond our dimension, this is the Jeff Mara Podcast. Here's Jeff. My guest is Reverend Michael Carter, who received his Master's in Divinity degree from Union Theological Seminary in New York City. He's a longtime UFO contactee, and his book, Alien Scriptures, Extraterrestrials, and the Holy Bible, was number one on Amazon.com's list of UFO-related books. Michael has appeared as a regular consultant on the History Channel's Ancient Aliens series, as well as being featured in the UFO TV documentary, The Real 4400, and UFOs, The Hidden Evidence on the Travel Channel. Today we'll discuss the mysteries of Christmas, his own personal Christmas journey, and more. Michael, welcome back. It's great to have you. Oh, thank you. I was looking forward to this. Uh, you know, we were going back and forth, and here we are. Here we are, and it's, what is it? It's Christmas time. Yeah, it's like a couple of weeks till Christmas, so it's the perfect I know, time. I, I love this time of year, and and, and we'll sh- I'll share about that, but I, yeah, I don't know. It's just magical. Yes. And yeah. I know, and I know it's not for everybody which makes it even more special because it it the holidays sometimes doesn't bring out the greatest. Yes. In 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 how human beings treat each other. Well, maybe you can help us change that. Yes. I um I grew up um in a religious family in the, in the Baptist tradition and uh you know I, you know, I, I swallowed theology whole. There was a part of me, like any child wants to please their parents, but I genuinely enjoyed going to different churches and what have you. And I could quote Matthew, the gospel of Matthew, which was my favorite gospel. And uh, uh, it was wonderful. And, and of course, being a child, you want the presence. You want, you know, that's part of it, the gifts and, and the trees and the lights and all that, which is still for me now, that inner child that's in me now at 65. But I went through a time, and, and it was a positive time, but I was searching, I was reevaluating what I believed in, and I was on this quest for the historical Jesus. And then going on that quest, you know, I got it that he wasn't born December 25th and and that, you know, this was coming from a, a pagan perspective with the trees and the gifts. And and I was, you know, I was angry at Christianity uh, for what I felt were intentional lies. And so the more I learned about the historical Jesus certainly shaped my views and had to this day but I was kind of let down. And then you put on top of that the gross commercialism. And, you know, it just seemed to be so far away, you know, what Western culture had done away from the Christmas story. And all that was true. Okay. But you can have two things to be true as well. So, my first wife was Jewish. We didn't celebrate Christmas. We celebrated Hanukkah. Um, and so that was still part. I'm looking for the historical Jesus. You have to understand he was Jewish, those kinds of things. Um, so we didn't have the tree. We didn't have all that. Matter of fact, we would be out of town on Christmas in, in some warm weather climate. That relationship falls apart, as some relationships do. We're still very close friends. 
the next relationship I got into, my partner, who was then my second wife, was a Christmas fanatic. And it was the stockings and the, you know, the stuffers, and it was, it was a to-do. And something in that rekindled. This is a lovely holiday. It's a lovely holiday. People seemed friendlier. Uh, uh, you know, the energy shifted. There were also other religious holidays going on at the time in December. Yes, but she re she rekindled this joy. And nothing had really changed. It's still the gross commercialism. It's still spend money, sales. But I, I, I later just said, you know what? I like it. I like gifts. I like receiving them. I like giving them. I love the gaudiness of it, the Christmas lights, the trees. It's okay. And it kind of freed me. So I took this, this kind of journey and uh, my my daughter is the Christmas freak. My my wife now we we just love Christmas and all those things are true. We know that the commercialism is not what it's about. We also know that Thanksgiving. We also know that uh, Christmas time people are lonely. Uh, uh, there's family dynamics involved. There's political. All those things are true. And. People have to navigate those things, but you navigate them. One way to navigate them is not to let other people define the narrative for you. And that's what I want to talk about. Um, and, and I think that's what you've asked me here to talk about. Now, you posed the question before I came on the show, is there a hidden meaning behind the 12 days of Christmas? And historically, there is. There's a theory floating around. Well, I don't think it's a theory, but people were claiming that during a time when Christians were being punished for worshiping openly, uh, uh, the 12 days of Christmas song was used to secretly pass on the ideology, the theology, if you will, of Christmas. So if this is true, each gift on the list specifies a different aspect of the Christian faith. So if you're a Christian, um, you know, you, you know, you're, you're hiding in the catacombs. And I mean, I'm, I'm exaggerating a bit because this was thousands of years later. But, you know, you had to keep you had to be in a closet about your faith. Then the 12 days of Christmas you could relate to. For instance, the partridge in the pear tree. Is Jesus. Jesus as the Christ or the Christos, the Christ that won, the Messiah, the Mashiach. The two turtle doves are the Old and New Testaments. I see, I didn't know this. Um, uh, and I don't know whether this was something from Catholicism. I, I don't know if we went through this in the Protestant um, faith that I was raised in. The three French hens are faith, hope, and charity the theological virtues. Now, one could also say, you know, it could be the Trinity. The four calling birds are the four gospels and their authors, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. 
The five golden rings are the first five books of the Torah, of the Old Testament. The six geese laying are the six days of creation. The seven swans of swimming are the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Those are the seven sacraments. Eight maids of milking are the eight beatitudes. This is, this is interesting. The nine ladies dancing are the nine fruits of the Holy Spirit. I had no idea that there were none. The 10 lords leaping are the 10 commandments. The 11 pipers piping are the 11 faithful apostles after Judas commits suicide after the betrayal of Jesus. The 12 drummers drumming are the 12 points of the doctrine in the Apostles' Creed. So while it is true that 12 days reference the days between the birth of Jesus and the coming of the Magi, so we're talking about December 25 through January 6 is where Advent ends, or well, Advent ends on the 24th but it begins four Sundays before Christmas. So we are already in um, the season of Advent, which is the great expectation. We know something's coming. We know because if you look at the scriptures, if, if this is part of your faith tradition, you look at the scriptures and this is foretold. The Magi who are, you know, What's interesting to me about the Magi, they follow, and we're not getting into UFO stuff here, but if they follow this star, they're astronomers. They had to know what was going on, uh, that, that there's going to be a special birth. They're coming from the East. And back then, the East was magical, and it was the mysteries of, of the East. It reminds me a little bit of what the Buddhists do. do. They chart astrologically when the next reincarnation of, let's say, their Dalai Lama will be. And they find out where he's going to be. And then they put, you know, they do their ritual where they put down the things of, of him when he was alive. And if he recognizes them, then they go, this is him. He's come back. So those kind of Eastern and Western concepts uh to my mind, make the holiday very interesting. What I have done as a Unitarian Universalist, because when I go to church, I had to cancel church this past Sunday because I had COVID. But I have before me, Jeff, pagans, witches, Christians, Buddhists, agnostic, atheists. And so I had to learn how can I make this story interesting for those who have our faith based and have no faith at all? It's a challenge, but I tell you, on Christmas Eve and on Easter Sunday, that church is packed. Because the story of this child's birth is the story of all of us, the story, whether you were born in Bethlehem or Kandahar or Arkansas or New York City, the birth of the child is the newness of life. So if you have any questions, I'll take them, but I'd like to get into the metaphysical aspects that I think 
are universal, not, not denying someone's faith tradition, but what makes it a universal event that I can get people who don't believe in God to come to church Christmas Eve. And if and if I if if I said we're not having a Christmas Eve service, they would give me what for. Before we go there, why does Jesus have the name Christ? Where does Christ come from? Well, it's a Western term. It was the Greek word for Christos. Um, and that he, yeah, because his, he wasn't born to Mr. and Mrs. Christ, but he was the Messiah. He was thought to be the Messiah. And so Christ means Christed. He was anointed by his father, by God. And so he is the Christos. It's the Greek term. And, um, and that's been the tug of war in the Christian world, even from the Council of Nicaea on. Some would argue, was Jesus a man? Uh, uh, and, 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 and fully human? Or was he half man, half human, and half anointed, half Christos? You know, uh, some people argue that he was human until the baptism by John, and the light shines down and says, "This is my son, whom I'm with, whom I'm well pleased." And there were some who say he was always, he was very God of very God, begotten, not made. And then you see where the other arguments went, where he could not have been married, uh, you you know, he could not have uh, made love. He he was God. He was beyond all that. So now you see the church split where this is sacred and the body isn't. You, you, so this is the otherworldly, but we live here. And so people argue, and I would too, that you want to you wanna experience the physical life. You want to enjoy it. It's not the be all end all. And, and that's part of the teaching that you don't want to worship it, but we're here to enjoy the fruits. We're here to fall in love. We're here to enjoy the, the flesh, good food, good whatever it is. But you know that that's transitory. The Buddhists talk about it's impermanent, as the Buddhists say. Uh, Christianity, early Christianity, did not make those distinctions. Now, you mentioned that Jesus's birth either may not have been or was not in December. When do right. you think it was? Um, from my studies, it was, um, well, we, we know it wasn't December because we know that the pagan holiday, which this was, they picked intentionally uh, December 25, December 25. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, and, and the Catholic Church didn't want it to compete didn't want to have to compete with the pagan holidays. So they said, this is it, the Roman calendar. This is December 25th. From some sources written by Jewish brothers and sisters and looking at uh, Seventh-day Adventists, um, it seems like it would probably have been September. Interesting. September. Because I thought I heard based on... Based and that he on, may have been born in March? Yeah, based on events in the Bible. But then also, uh, I don't know if you know of the Urantia book, but yes, according I have. to that, I think they even have a date sometime in September. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, you know, and this is where 
we get the political part where you have the Catholic Church not wanting to compete. And so we're going to make it this day. And and if you don't like that, then, you know, you're excommunicated. And then you have other people saying, but no, that's this is all political. And 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 it, it just it's continued on to this day. And, and isn't the 25th the first day of movement of the sun astronomically, how it raises? I think, the, yeah, the equinox is it's close to the, the, the equinox. I think the equinox is like the 22nd or 23rd of December, the winter equinox. Um, so which is, which obviously the, the, the worship or the acknowledgement of the equinoxes predates Christianity by thousands of years. And so when people say, when, when my pagan friends or, you know, when they say, well, we don't really celebrate Christmas because it's, because we were worshiping this way naturally the equinoxes, the solstices, the one, I'm sorry, not the winter equinox, the solstices, this was natural. This was before it, it, it got anthropomorphized, anthropomorphized. And, 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 you know, the earth was, is the mother, but that all went away with, with patriarchal Christianity. No, it's about the father. It's not about the mother. It's about the father and it's a man's world. And this is where it is. And so we have those remnants to this day, whether it's been, you know, witches and burning at the stake and those kinds of things. Because you had, you had these, these rules made by men who some of them were afraid of women. They were monks. Right. Some of them, some of them had never even known a woman. I'm not talking about in, in a sexual way, but they just. They just didn't even, they were awkward around women. They, some of them didn't like women and they're, yet they're making these rules. Mary has to be a virgin. Remember, St. Jerome started that. Because virgin, the, the, the word for virgin in Hebrew is Alma, A-L-M-A. All Alma means this young girl. It didn't mean a woman who didn't have her hymen broken, but because of political reasons, uh, Saint Jerome says no. Mary cannot be sullied. See that 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 distaste for the earth, for the sensual. No, Mary is a virgin. She did not make love to any man. Our Lord's mother did not have sex. No. So there you go. I think, though, what you have been able to do is, even though we have the commercialism and the politics and all the other things, you found a way to still find the positivity in Christmas. I'll, yeah, yeah. And, and, and I'll tell you why. You know, I, I finally got it. Yes. You know, two things can be true at the same time. Like I said, yes, it's commercialism. It's crass. It's money hungry. It's da 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 but it's also a special time and no one can make that special for you, but you, you can make it a sacred time by what you choose to do or what you spent, how you focus on it, what you, you can do that. You don't have to let someone else set that narrative for you. And I think we forget that we, we have that power. It's like complaining about what you don't want on TV when all you got to do is pick it up and turn it off. Mm -hmm. It's right there at your fingertips. 
And yes, we all know people. You know, if, 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 if you're concerned about the homeless or whatever, maybe you go to a soup kitchen during that time and do that. Maybe you get up on Thanksgiving and you get there and you feed some turkey. You can do stuff to volunteer to change that vibration, but you don't want to throw the whole thing away. I, I, I don't think so. And, and, and yes, there are dynamics and people get suicidal and people, uh, uh, you know, are lonely and, 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 and you do what you can for that. But you don't let that take away your joy and appreciation of the season. And I let that happen for a few years. I mean, I wasn't bitter about it, but I was just like, well, it's Christmas. We're going away. We're going to go to Mexico. We're going to go to Puerto Rico, because my, my, my first ex-wife loved to travel to the Caribbean, and I was making a little more money then, so we would do that. Uh, uh, but, you know, the whole season, that time was special, and you make it special. The other thing I try to, to, to look at, Jeff, is this. It's the hero's journey. I'm going to base this on Joseph Campbell. A child is born. New ideas, new life. The child is special. Well, well, we don't know if the child is special. That but 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 the child is born. The child as the child gets older, it becomes a threat to the old ways, okay? The child is rambunctious. The child has new ideas. The child represents the new. How many times has that happened where the, the parents may say, you don't, you don't come in here thinking like that. Where'd you get an idea like that? You can't come in here thinking like that. No, no, no. See, new, the newness, it's threatening. The old order is threatening the new generation, this whole energy, this whole way of looking at life. No matter where, Kandahar, Bethlehem, Herod represents the old order. Well, I'm getting ahead of myself, but, but, but I'm threatened by that. You can't come in here thinking like that. And nothing is special about the child. You know, it's just an ordinary child. Why can't you be like other people? Why can't you be like that? But then the child starts to grow and starts to grow strong in spirit, if I can coin a phrase, and is learning and, 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 and experimenting with life and starting to get a sense of who he or she is. In this case, we're talking about Jesus, but okay, so I'm talking about the universality of the story. And, and the child comes to find out that, you know what? I'm nothing like they said I was. I'm a totally different person. I'm not like that. Now the child is powerful. It's forming their identity. When Jesus starts to discover, I got this consciousness. I got this consciousness in me. You can call it what you will. We'll call it Christ consciousness. Well, now he's a problem. He's a problem. She's a problem. If it's a girl, the old order is threatened. Now you're going to change everything the way you're taking away now. But we all go through that. I'm skipping a few steps, but we all go through that. And then you find out as you get older who you really are. 
Now you can call it Buddha consciousness, Christ consciousness, but you got this discovery now that hey, I'm not that. I'm not fearful. I'm 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 more than what my society is telling me who I am. I'm one with everything. I'm connected to everything. And I'm going to live that way and I'm going to share that message. Now, by doing that, you're going to upset some people. And the, the story of Jesus is the story of how to live a committed life, even unto death. How do I live a committed life? No, we don't all have to die. It doesn't have to be that dramatic. But we do die to our old self every day. And when society is telling you that you are A, and you're finding out that, no, I'm B, that's what we're all called to do, to peel back the onion, to peel back the layers, to peer back the fear, to peel back the insecurity, and to say, look, look what's here. And that's what makes that story universal. You can be an atheist and say, yeah, my life was like that. You know, I, I was born and you know, I didn't particularly, there was nothing spectacular about me or extraordinary about me. But then as I got older and I started, this happened, that happened. And, and, and I was asking these questions and the old warder was like, no, you can't come in here thinking like that. That's not who you are. And you were saying, yes, that's who I am. And you travel and you come and you go. The old order is threatened. And then you find out, no, this is who I am. This is who I am. I'm one with the cosmos. I'm one with all that is. And then you have to live that life. And that's what the Christmas story is. It's one way to look at it, the uniqueness of that, of that story. It sounds like you're saying that the birth of Jesus story is basically the birth of us all. I think that's the archetype. I mean, because the Buddha had it too. I mean, I mean, the the Buddha was allegedly born of a virgin, and you know he, you know he comes from a warrior class. He's he's wealthy. Uh, uh, his father shields him from what's out there. He wants him to be a warrior, and and, and he shields him. And he decides, you no, know, look at all this stuff. These women get older. Uh, I'm seeing poor people and beggars and all this stuff out here. And his father's like, don't worry about that. He's, you're threatening the old order. You're threatening the way that things are done. And he says, I can't do this, man. He leaves his wife and kids. He leaves them. And he goes on this quest that all things are impermanent. And, and so he change, he finds out who he really is. And then he passes that on. And that's that's the hero's journey. That's that's what Joe Campbell would call. That's the Shiro's journey. That we all have to go through that metamorphosis where a caterpillar becomes a butterfly. And it takes courage. Because when your society is telling you one thing, What's the, what's, what's the old saying? It's dangerous to be right when your government is wrong. You know, uh, Victor Hugo. Uh, uh, but yeah, you, you, you know, you, you, every day when the world is telling you, your culture is telling you, 
You're a consumer. That's all you are. You're a number. And you go, no, no, no. I'm a child of the universe. That's what we're called to do. Being a reverend, I'm sure that you have come across lots of members of your congregation that were, you know, unhappy and struggling with Christmas. Yeah. How do you help those people? The good thing about churches, one of the good things, and COVID kind of helped, at least my church, I think other churches as well, um, was that they have a community. They have a sense of community. And what what we do, I mean, if they want to talk one-on-one, then I listen to them and, and we can kind of unpack some things. But uh, we make sure that they're not alone. We make sure that there is food. We make sure that they can pick up the phone or someone will come visit. And so we let them know that you're not alone. Uh, on, a, on, a, on a spiritual level, we let them know that you're not alone too, but that's more difficult in the sense of I may not be alone, but I feel lonely. But what we do, and COVID made people miss not meeting in person. People were champing at the bit to meet in person, especially our extroverted friends, because they needed to feed off the energy of other people. For me, it was okay. I'm an introvert, naturally. So... Um, that's how, and it doesn't have to be church or a religious organization, but you know, you have, you have a sense of community and you can have that. We live here and we have, you know, we meet, we have, you know, it's a board and they get together and vote on things and, you know, we're going to cut this tree down or we're going to do, but, but all of that, people look out for each other. It's like, we live in this little community here and we take care of each other. And, and because a lot of people, Jeff, they, I can't tell you how many people will tell me, you know, I just got out of the hospital and I say, well, how come you didn't call anybody? Well, I don't want to be in the nuisance. No, that's what we're here for. Use your resources. And then that's deeper. That's a deeper thing. Some people don't think they deserve help or they don't. That's something else. But use your resources. You, this, this, we are a family, not a clique, but you're a member of this congregation. We're a phone call away. I'm a phone call away. We have a wonderful pastoral care team. Uh, we look out for each other. And that is how we help. It's, it's a we thing, you know. And um, so far, so good. I think that's what people really want, to know that I'm not alone mm-hmm. during this time. Right. You're a pastor now of a yes. of the Unitarian Universalist Church, which is yes. basically a church that mixes all religions together, yes. right? Yes, and non-believers as well. So when you give this message of Christmas to all these other type of, you know, non-believers and atheists and spiritual people, what kind of metaphysical message do you give them? It's a good question. I, I will share. Some people are not into the metaphysics, but 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 like what I just talked about before, they can relate to that. It's concrete. It's not woo woo. Uh, uh, you know, they that bring because Easter's the same thing. Uh, uh, now I don't talk about usually at my church we will talk about Easter that story, but we don't have to. This is what I ask them to do, and so far they keep me there. <clears throat> 
pardon me, I asked them to look deeper. The Course in Miracles calls it a journey uh, without distance because you're going inside. So how is the message of, of Christmas, the gospel story of Christmas, how, how can we how can we look at this story? And so I have my notes here. Uh, I like I said, I feel this is a message for I don't care whether you're humanist, atheist, or anything in between. You can look at the story in the traditional fashion of a um, a, a baby boy born twenty five hundred years ago to free all people from sin and damnation. You can look at it that way. Nothing wrong with that. Those who not believe this, well, that's okay. I think about the lines from Mark Antony and, and Julius Caesar. You know, he says, uh, uh, the fault, dear Brutus, lies in the stars, but not in ourselves. It's not Mark Antony, but it's that quote there. But the theological interpretation doesn't work for everyone, the traditional one. And it doesn't have to. We can also look at it as a nice story. It's a bit far-fetched, but a message of a savior being born and bringing peace to all, that's a good message. Everybody who, who on earth doesn't want peace? Well, there are some people, but this is what I, 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 I try to tell them. Yes, there are many stories of virgins giving birth. There's the, the Hindu, there's a, Jap a Chinese version of the Buddha. Uh, in, 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 in Hinduism, Krishna's mother is a virgin, that kind of thing. But if we go to the Christmas story, if we go a bit deeper, the universal message and the meaning for us as individuals is very deep. So we are told that Joseph and Mary must travel to Bethlehem. They're to travel to Bethlehem because of taxation, Roman taxation. During the night, a star guides the royalty. It guides, it guides these people from the East. They could be astronomers, what have you. And they're three wise men. They bring gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Heavenly hosts are singing, we are told. A cruel and frightening king by the name of Herod wants to kill the child because the child is viewed as a political threat. The family is then told by an angel, which means messenger, to flee to Egypt and stay there until this threat is passed. Perhaps, perhaps, remember metaphysically, meaning we're looking at things from a higher point of view, higher altitude, if you will, perhaps this family traveling represents our own individual sense of traveling to find balance and wholeness. Of, of, of our own masculine and feminine will, what it means to be human. We travel by night as we travel through the darkness of the world, of our ignorance, of our own ignorance and the world's ignorance. The star is illumination. The star of our own transcendence. It's the star of our self-transformation. This is what the story is telling us. The star of higher consciousness and evolution is trying to guide us along the journey of expanding what it means to be fully awake and what it means to be human. Of course, the birth of a child is the birth of a new consciousness. 
the birth of a new awareness. And, and, and it's in each and every one of us. And the point is to listen to the inner child. Listen to this child. You can call it Christ consciousness. You can call it Buddha consciousness. You can call it the force. You can call it what you will. But it's in each and every one of us. Now they're the shepherds. They're watching the flock by night. The shepherds are watching over our thoughts, our humble thoughts, our thoughts of, of, of not being worthy, our fear of low, our low self-esteem, as well as our basic thoughts about ourselves and the world around us. The wise men represent the higher thoughts and the consciousness that we can aspire to, the thoughts that remind us of how interconnected we all are. Like Dr. King said it wonderfully, he said, I cannot be who I ought to be until you are who you ought to be. And you can't be who you ought to be until I am who I ought to be. He said, that's not personal. That's just the way the universe works. Brilliant. And so the thoughts that, these are the thoughts the wise men represents, the thoughts that remind us of love, which is the most powerful force in the world. These thoughts also represent faith, hope, and love. That's what these thoughts represent. And so the wise men bring gifts of gold, which is, what is that? That's the gift you give to royalty, to a king or a queen. That's, that's what those gifts represent. Gold represents abundance and prosperity. Frankincense was valued from Rome to India because of its fragrance, and it was used and worships in the temple and medical treatment. Myrrh was used as a fragrance, but also for embalming, to flavor your food, to season it. Deodorizing clothes for its potential and also used for its potential healing properties. And so, you know, we're looking at the story and now we see it a little differently. We, we, we're starting to see that human beings can evolve and toward the good, the beautiful, and the true. So we're also on the journey with Mary and Joseph, which will assist us in becoming more evolved human beings because they represent us. Now there's Herod, King Herod. He represents our ego, our fears. He does not want to see this new consciousness occur. He doesn't want to see this new birth, the part of us that fears what we have the potential to become. You know, people say, well, what happens if I get, you know, if I don't get what I want, what happens if you do? What happens when you get what you ask for? This is the inward journey. And as Howard, as Herod plans to kill the baby, you see, he wants to kill the baby, but he wants to kill that part of us because he feels threatened by the journey of self-discovery. He just wants to stay with the familiar. He fears change. And yet an angel appears. Again, angel messenger in Greek, malek in Hebrew, angelos in Greek. A messenger comes with a higher message, a higher calling saying, don't listen to that noise, come back to yourselves. Go to Egypt and wait there until I call you. Do the inner work. 
Do your meditation, do your prayer, do your study, enjoy, live your life, stay there, and I will contact you. Now, Egypt was the land of mystery. Egypt is the magical land of magic and mystery and, and, and wisdom. People travel from all over the world to travel there and, and to study the higher truths in the ancient mystery schools that were there. The land of Egypt is mentioned over 600 times in the Bible. Hmm. This is where Mary and Joseph were told to go until they're summoned. So could this not be the story of our lives on some level? I happen to think so. We are each called to move to a higher way of being. We are giving birth, being born again each day, every day to become who we have to be, our true and authentic selves. And all we have to do is to look deeper, to look at the journey without distance and find that star, that illumination. Because until we follow that star, we live in the land of indecision. And so nothing is as powerful as a made-up mind, Goethe has told us. And so nothing is as powerful as an idea whose time has come. So once we choose to follow the star, to look deeper, we realize that life is to be found in the capacity to give. Life is found in the human capacity to love. And every birth and discovery or rediscovery of the voice of that inner child that's there in each and every one of us now, always has been, and will be with us when we die, dwells within us and, and wants us to celebrate. All we have to do is slow down enough to listen. Just always remember that three unseen guests attend, faith, hope, and love. Let all our hearts prepare them a place and look a bit deeper this Christmas and see what you can find. You know, you see bumper stickers and maybe t-shirts that says Jesus is the reason for the season. And even though some people may not like that, but I think it's still a good reminder for people that it's more than just the commercialism. Yes. Yes. Well, that's the thing. You have to be able to take in other perspectives. Um, in Western culture, Jesus is the reason for the season, but not for everybody. But in Western culture in general, because we are, you know, we were founded as a, a, a Christian nation. We're people of the West. The, the clash comes in when people say, well, it's got to be the reason of the season for you, too. Um and also the clashes where people say Jesus is the reason for the season, but then there's still this, the same people will discriminate against you and, and act on Jesus-like. So that's where the discrepancy comes. But, uh, you know, again, it, 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 Wayne Dyer said, if you change the way you look at things, the things you look at begin to change. And uh, we've all done this. You know, someone could be getting on your nerves and you just say, I'm not going to let that person trigger me anymore. And that per you stop it. And nothing has changed except your attitude. But that's all that needs to change. So, uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm, I, man, I'm down here, man, in the South. I'm in, I'm in uh, North Carolina. 
this is the Bible Belt, man. My church is out there in Billy Graham country. And so, you know, I see it every day, especially around this time. Well, you got to say Merry Christmas. What do you mean? Happy holidays. When there's a war on Christmas and, you you know, you just kind of deal with it or, or you don't. But part of being open is, you know, letting people be where they need to be as long as they're not forcing it on you. So for me, uh, uh, the story, as I've shared with you and listeners, has a, a lot of gold in it, a lot of profound truths. But again, it's it's how you look at it. If you look at it just literally, you miss all the nuances. And uh, and I got to tell you, I'm looking forward to my Christmas Eve sermon. Uh, it's called the uh, The Power of Christmas Eve. I have to finish writing it. Um, we're going to go out to dinner. Uh, and we're going to exchange some gifts <laughs> and we're going to probably go and have a meal afterwards and have a little champagne and enjoy the season. And I'm not, you know, we're not going to worry about did it happen or did it not happen? And it doesn't matter, you know, just enjoy. It's a celebration. And what we can do for people who can't, for whatever reason, can't, maybe we'll We'll do something else. Maybe we'll do volunteer somewhere or something. But the thing is, is that we will enjoy the season with all its gaudiness, with all of Madison Avenue's crass commercialism. It's still a wonderful time of year. Everybody may not agree with that. And then, you you know, you 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 live, you live, you live to make the choices that you need to make. This, I'm, I'm my choice is to enjoy it. And to be happy and to spread the holiday cheer. And, and for me, that means spreading love, spreading, you know, uh, treating my neighbor well. Uh, and you can do that whether you're an atheist or Orthodox Russian priest. Michael, as I mentioned in the beginning, you have a book out on UFOs. Do you have a book out on Christmas or are you working on anything new? No, I have five books out. My 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 latest book came out last year. It's called Initiation. Um, it's called Initiation: The Spiritual Transformation of the Experiencer. It's on Amazon. All my books are, and this is my latest work. And it's about um, uh, the patterns you can find for those people who know people who are experiencers are married to an experiencer or in a relationship with an experiencer for people who think they may be experiencers but are not sure this is the book for you it's a handbook and it's about people who have had like myself who have had these experiences and look at them in a positive way it's it, there's a lot of studies in here case studies of people who were like Wall Street and money hungry people and they were just they was just chasing the material life and they get a visit and then they leave their their job on Wall Street and they wind up becoming massage therapists <laughs> or or you know what I mean or they start volunteering for the Red Cross or something there's something that trans and, and you know it could be from an OBE an NDE I had a friend who had a a, a a mystical experience jogging in San Francisco at 5.30 in the morning, just looking at the, for some reason, he was so one, he, he forgot he was in his body and he felt that connectedness. So it doesn't always have to be someone coming in your room and 
or you having an out-of-body thing. But uh, these experiences are life-changing. And, and people get it. They, people who didn't care about the ecology, the planet, they have these experiences and all of a sudden they're doing work against climate change and, you know, or they become healers, which is what I did. Um, it's a great book. It's called Initiation, uh, The Spiritual Transformation of the Experiencer. The books on the Bible and UFOs are on Amazon. And I have a book. These are older books. There's a book on prayer. Uh, uh, the metaphysics of spiritual healing, and I have a, a meditation manual called um, God Consciousness. I'm using God, I should have put quotations on it, but they're quotes of, of wisdom from atheists, religious people, philosophers. Every day there's a lesson, and um, it's a 30 day meditation manual. And of course, Alien Scriptures was number one in 2014 on Amazon and part two of alien scriptures is a new world. If you can take it, God, extraterrestrials and the evolution of human consciousness, which is my favorite book, actually that and initiation. You know, you'd mentioned Advent when you were speaking mm -hmm. earlier and I don't know much about it. And I didn't put that together with the Advent calendars that you could see in the store with, you know, mm -hmm. Advent chocolates or, well, Advent is that time of year, if you choose to make it so, there's anticipation. The, the Christ child is being born. You know, the, all, all the signs are pointing to it. We're getting there. The prophets read the scriptures. But it's also, it's, it's not like Lent in a way, because Lent you give up. Some, but, but some people say, okay, for Advent, you know, you're preparing. You're preparing. So maybe you do things a little different during that time. Uh, you know, Lent actually, you know, maybe I'm going to give up drinking for Lent or I'm going to do whatever. But Advent is that sacred time. Maybe you cultivate your prayer life a little more. Maybe you meditate a little more. But you're preparing for the coming of this new consciousness. This new, this child, this new life. And so um, I didn't do an, an Advent sermon this year. Usually I do. But but what does that mean? Anticipation. What does it mean? You know, when you know, when was the last time you anticipated? So oh, I can't wait for this to happen. It's coming. I know it's coming. It's like the song in West Side Story, right? You know, could be. Who knows? Yeah, he's waiting. Something's coming. Something's coming. He's going to meet Maria. Hmm. Well, well, to have that kind of energy. Um, because this new consciousness is going to change the world as we know it. That's what this holiday is about at its core level. If people want to get in touch with you, should they do it from your website or from Facebook or? They can go on Facebook, Reverend Michael J. Carter. That's my fan page. Or I have another, you can go to uh, Michael J. S. Carter, but Reverend Michael J. Carter is a fan page. My email is michaeljscarter at gmail.com. My webpage is michaeljscarter.com. Uh, I will respond. Um, email's probably better. I, I don't use my webpage as much. But yeah, yeah, you can, and all the books are on Amazon and Barnes and Nobles. And I, you know, I, I, I respond. I respond to uh, any um, 
any outreach. Well, Michael, before we finish up, can you leave us with one last positive message? I want to leave you with this message, especially during this time of year. Don't let the things you want make you forget the things you already have. Don't let the narrative of lack, of war, and all these things are real. I'm not talking about woo-woo. I'm talking about, but underneath that, there's still a core that says there's love. There is love. It's not going to be on MSNBC. It's not going to be on Fox because that's not what they're supposed to be telling you. So you have to turn that noise off. Go back. Do, do, do your prayers. Do your meditation. Go walk in nature if you don't do those things. But spend that quiet time with yourself and you'll see the joy that I'm talking about. The Christians call it the peace that passes all understanding because the world has always been this way. Always. When Jesus was alive, Rome was the empire. Now we're the empire. And there were crucifixions. and there was a, It was a violent time. There will always be that. Doesn't mean you don't try to stop. Jesus said, the poor you'll have with you always. He didn't say, don't try and help them. So there's always going to be wars and rumors of wars. But you can still find that joy. What was Maya Angelou's book? I know why the cage bird sings. Because there's something inside that no one can take away. Caesar cannot take away. Whoever Caesar in the White House, doesn't matter. That cannot be taken from you. So don't let the things you want make you forget the things you have. And I wish you all, whatever you celebrate, a wonderful holiday season and a gentle and everlasting peace. Michael, thank you for that message. And thank you again for being my guest. Jeff, thank you. And I'm glad we figured it out and call me anytime. Thank you. Thanks for watching the Jeff Mara podcast. I really appreciate you. Another way to show support is through YouTube memberships. And if you do, there are loyalty badges and other perks depending on your level of membership. All you need to do is click the join button underneath the video to find out more. Thank you for your support.